Hi friends and Merry Christmas. This is Tim Ross. I live in Johnson City, Tennessee and pastor of the Hopwood Memorial Christian Church. Um, it's great to be together with all of you and all the places where you are. We're deep into the season of Advent here in the Hopwood Church and we're headed towards the celebration of Christ's birth. Some of you are in places where Christmas means it's going to be cold and snowy with boots and mittens lined up drying by the door. Some of you are in the middle of some kind of a summer season. That's the way it was for us when we lived in Kenya. Back in the 80s and 90s, Christmas always meant the hottest time of the year. I live in the mountains of East Tennessee, so it's kind of one of those uh, weird global warming Christmases where I saw cherry trees beginning to bloom the other day. And uh, everybody I say that to says, that ain't right. That just ain't right. So we're not sure what's going to happen. We're used to pushing through a bit of snow as we come together to hear the good news of Advent promises and to hear and consider how they, they're being fulfilled. It won't be long before we come together in this sanctuary for our Christmas Eve service, where we gather in candlelight wonder around the Christ candle as we sing Silent Night beneath the icy Christmas stars. It's a special time of year. Whether your Advent and Christmas celebrations will be tropical or filled with snow, I pray that your celebration of Christ's coming is beautiful and joyful and meaningful and full of love. Wherever you are today, I bring you the good news of Christmas. And that's the message that God has a gift for you. Perhaps this Christmas, you've already received some good gifts. This Christmas, our family celebrates the first healthy baby born into my niece's family after several miscarriages and problems in, in pregnancies. So we're going to celebrate that. We celebrate the gifts of good friends and good work that God has given us to do. Our church participates in a ministry that helps homeless families get back on their feet. One of, their, one of the men who stayed with us in the past wrote us a, a note saying, the volunteers and the staff have been a true blessing from God for me and my family. I'm not sure where we would be right now without them. They've encouraged us so much. And now Nicole and I both have good jobs once again. We're going to make it. We've paid off our debts. We've had some counseling. Our children have loved the attention that they get from volunteers. And everyone's been so nice and wonderful to us. We'll never forget what this ministry has done for us. What a nice gift that was to receive at Christmas. But not everyone has received the present that they're really after this year. Not everyone is so sure about the gifts that they will receive in the coming days. 
A child's letter reminds me that we don't always get what we want. I recently came across a letter that my daughter Jill wrote Santa when Jill was about seven years old. Santa, her letter began, my brother doesn't believe in you. And it made me wonder if informants perhaps get extra bonus pay from Santa Claus. She went on to recount all the ways that she'd been helpful around the house. And finally, she got to the meat of the letter. Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is a puppy. Jill ended up in pretty good shape that Christmas, even though a canine did not drop down through the chimney that year. But I know that there will be others who are perhaps tuning in to this podcast who bear heavier burdens that make it difficult to get into the Christmas spirit. Many of us already know that we're not going to get the gift that we would really wish for in this Christmas season. Some of us have given up hope. Some of us dread spending Christmas alone. My friend Jack will endure his first Christmas without his beloved wife who passed away just a month ago. Our friend Joel will spend Christmas in Kiev, surrounded by people who have lived through enough pain to last them a lifetime. Some of us have endured great loss this past year, or maybe the past three years. Some of our homes have been filled with tension and conflict rather than peace and joy. Some of us will spend Christmas far from the ones we love. Some of you will be far from the people you love at Christmas. Some of us barely have enough food to put on the table, much less money for presents that we'd like to buy. Do the Christmas lights and soothing carols mock the pain that you carry? God's got a gift for me? Right. Things were rough in Israel and Judah at the time that the word of the Lord came to Micah. They were dark days of death and exile that were ahead. Black clouds gathered on the horizon. Many looked to the leaders of the land to bring protection, relief, peace. Back in the day, as these young kings took their place of authority, royal psalms were spoken over them. Psalms that said things like, like we bless you, like, the, like magnificent purple robes upon their shoulders. The royal psalms spoken over these leaders became blessings of hopeful aspirations. May this be God's man who will rule the nations. He will bring justice. He will defend the cause of the poor. He will rule in the wisdom and power and might of the Lord. Time after time after time, the kings of Israel and Judah proved to be major flops. Gradually, the prophets began to realize that none of these neighborhood kings could ever bring in the reign of God. 
And so people just began to, to look a little further ahead into the future, to the time when the real servant of God would appear. This servant would rule with justice, compassion, and power. His reign would last forever. He would be like King David of old. He would shoulder the weight of government and bring lasting peace. That's who Micah hoped to see when 800 years before the birth of Christ, he prophesied, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you were small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. And he will be their peace, their shalom. Isn't that what we're looking for at Christmas time? Doesn't your soul long for peace, peace for the Ukrainians and Russians, peace in Ethiopia, peace between Jews and Arabs, peace between Democrats and Republicans in this country, peace between conservatives and progressives in your church or on your team, peace in our home, peace with our howling conscience. Peace against the bad news of your latest test result. Peace between brothers and sisters. Peace with your parents, your children, your spouse. Our Christmas songs cry out for peace in our nation, for peace in our world. Some think of peace as an absence of strife or conflict. We'd settle for that peace, actually, just stop the fighting. But in Hebrew, peace, shalom, means a lot more than just an absence of war. Shalom peace means wholeness, fullness. It means having every need met. Shalom means nothing less than salvation. Isaiah said, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says in Zion, your God reigns. God's servant born in Bethlehem, whose origins are from ancient times, whose greatness is reached to the ends of the earth, the prince of peace wants to be our peace this Christmas. But what does that mean for us at this time? Does the peace of Christ mean that we actually get that puppy that we so desperately want? Does it mean that our circumstances will magically get better? What can we say about this peace, this shalom that God wants to be for us? It's probably important to note 
that the peace Christ brings may not clear up all of our daily external problems. Although we receive God's peace in a sea of troubles, God's primary desire doesn't seem to be to make us comfortable, but instead to teach us to live a life of faithfulness. In the passage from Micah that I just read, Micah has already started out with some terrible news. Israel will be abandoned to its enemies. But don't worry, said Micah, for God's coming servant will be your peace. Your world is going to fall apart, but fear not, he says, God will be your peace. Frederick Buechner reflects on Jesus' puzzling words about peace. You'll remember that on the one hand, Jesus told his disciples, don't think that I've come to bring peace into the world. I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. And then as he ate with his disciples for that last time, Jesus said to them, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. There was enough trouble brewing at that first Christmas to make the boldest of hearts waver. God entrusted his divinity to a tiny body of flesh and bone. He stripped off his glory and became naked and helpless. And he entered into the squalor of humanity in a sheep pen, born to poor parents, hunted down by the mightiest leader of the land. Jesus was on the run from the start. There was even more trouble afoot when the Prince of Peace ate his last meal with his disciples. Within 24 hours, the life he treasured would be beaten, gouged, drained from his body. The disciples would also find themselves in the crosshairs. They were about to lose their livelihoods, their safety, their homes, their master. Jesus still said to them, don't be worried, don't be afraid. My peace I give to you, I leave you with my peace. Beekner says that the contradiction between Jesus' words, I've not come to bring you peace, but a sword. And later when he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, can only be resolved when we realize that for Jesus, peace seems to have meant not the absence of struggle, but the presence of love. Jesus' peace means the presence of love. In the midst of all of your problems and troubles and strife and loneliness, in the midst of your doubts and fears, the coming of Christ reminds us that peace is not a desired state of mind, but the peace that we seek at Christmas 
is only to be found in a person. And he will be their peace, said Micah. Jesus' great gift for you this Christmas is the gift of himself. He is Emmanuel, God, with us. He didn't bring us just cheap peace talk. Rather, he comes to be with us, to walk with us, to show us the way step by step through the minefield of our troubles. The peace Jesus brings us is not the Santa's wish list kind of peace that allows us to wiggle out of hard, difficult situations and to get what we really, really want. This peace comes to us when we discover that whatever our circumstances, the love of Jesus is with us. It surrounds us and covers us and walks with us. It's not just a holiday spirit. It's not a fizzy sentiment or a warm glow. Peace is found only in this person, this Savior, this God who was born unto us. Paul wrote, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. Now you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens, members of God's household. At that first Christmas time, Jesus brought us peace that will never fade, that will never fail, that can never be taken away. Isaiah wrote, for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed. So how do we find this gift of peace? If you say it's all around me, how come I don't sense it? How come I'm still a mess? I think maybe we do sense it. Even in the midst of all the Walmart hype, Though all the happy talk of Santa and the gaudy displays of yard lights leaves us empty, do you not sense that something mystical, something magical happens when we gather, like we're gathering now, when the old story is read, when those familiar carols are sung, when the candles are lit. Come back for our candlelight Christmas Eve service and tell me that you don't sense the presence of Christ. How do we find the peace of God? Well, we find it as we open up our hearts to God, certainly. Paul wrote in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, Present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You, with the aching heart and the churning soul, have you brought 
all your needs before him? Have you laid your life before him? Have you sought him in this Christmas season? How do we find peace with God? The Bible knows nothing of an individualized peace of mind that doesn't include all those people around you. You find the peace of God when you take your place in the midst of the family of God. When you come out of your shell, when you leave your own activities behind and your busy, lonely life to say to the body of Christ that is gathered in all the places that we gather, here I am. I need you. I really need you. Will you receive the peace that God has for you today? Is there a better time, a better day than Christmas to receive the gift of God's shalom, the gift of God's salvation? The old Christmas hymn says, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. In this Advent season, Christ offers us peace. Amen. <laughs>